Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor Steve Macias and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. Hello, everyone. This is Andrea Schwartz flying solo today as my co-host is on a much-needed time of rest and relaxation. My guest is someone we've had on the podcast before, Mr. Joseph Graham, a Chalcedon underwriter and the man behind the upcoming Biblical Law and Education Conference that's going to be taking place in Washington State in September in a couple of weeks that will have as featured speakers Chalcedon President Mark Rushduni and Chalcedon Vice President Martin Salbretti. But the question we're going to get behind today stems from the fact that Joe recently retired from military service, but long before that, he knew he had to come up with a plan to continue to provide for his ever-growing family. He decided on working for himself rather than someone else. So the question today is this, does it take courage to be an entrepreneur? Joe, thanks for joining me today in what I know is a very busy schedule for you. Oh, uh, of course. It's my pleasure. Glad I could uh, help out and contribute. Well, good. You, for, was it 20 years, were in the military? Yes, yes. When when I was solo, and I started out solo, but I wasn't solo for very long. <laughs> but, yeah, 20 years. Okay, so I think it's fair to say that for 20 years, you took orders and followed them and couldn't classify yourself as working for yourself. And I know that as you were getting towards the retirement, you had to start making a plan. So why don't you share with our listeners the sort of process you went through to determine how am I going to continue my responsibilities as a husband and father and provider now that our life is going to be so much different? I guess uh, I wasn't necessarily born an entrepreneur, it kind of developed uh, as convictions and beliefs and uh, things like that started to develop uh, in in my life. So, I mean, I was obviously very content when I first joined uh, the military and kind of happy about that stability and could tolerate some of the, the aspects where they were driving me around and pushing me around, pretty much told me where to go and when to be where and stuff like that. It was tolerable for, you know, for quite some time. But then I think just over time, uh, as, as I started to believe and understand how important the family is in kingdom life, that I just started to realize, wow, this really is a, a powerhouse of activity for, for how we can be difference makers and in influencers and uh, and so not not just even internally in my own family's life but just in other in other families life in our community and and so I just very much was kind of inspired to think wow I really would love to find a way to be able to you know work closely with my family to help shepherd them and disciple them but then also to find a way to really you know be an influencer in my community and how to provide for other people instead of just taking, but to be provide a service back um, to produce, to increase. Um, and especially all with the, uh, with a Christian background and, and philosophy 
So it just, it became very it kind of overwhelming me that I need to figure something out. So that was that, that thankfully that started in enough time in advance before I left the military. But uh, you know, the, the seeds of my discontent were sown in, uh, in military life. <laughs> All right. So you, you had an awareness of, okay, I'm, I'm coming up to retirement. I'm going to have to do something. How much would the writings of Rush Dooney and other authors that you started to read influenced you to make the choice in what direction you wanted to go after military life? Well, I mean, I think they were extremely influential just in understanding what the Lord was doing, um, you know, and how he how he was advancing his kingdom and just the perspective on the kingdoms are they're very, very valuable. It, it, it may have not been what particular field I was going to go into that, that, you know, it was much, much broader than that. It was just this more underlying philosophical uh, perspective that kind of was very influential for me. And then uh, with other authors and other books, we kind of found where our passions, where our passions lied, you know, but, uh, but I think one of the really, really important things that I got from Russia, and I don't, I don't think I can necessarily have a particular quote about it, was just the fact that there are a vast variety of gifts and talents that are given to a family. And so it's not incumbent upon me to necessarily dictate this is the one thing that we're going to do, but to more find out where our passions and where our strengths lie and what sort of gifts that God has given and use those things and find a way to leverage those things and encourage their growth so that we can have, you know, the, the influence that we're supposed to have in whatever way that, that God is trying to, to guide us towards. So that was pretty helpful too in our development. So this kind of begs a question because I've heard people on both sides of this argument that says it's the father who sets the pace for the entire family. And you hear people talking about five-year plans, 10-year plans, 50-year plans, 100-year plans. Mm -hmm. and then you hear from young people that say, well, my parents aren't doing exactly what their parents did. Where's the balance between a family vision and then recognizing the particular call members of your family have in terms of how they're going to express their gifts? That's a good question. And I think for us, we, what we realized is that, yes, fathers have a tremendous amount of, uh, of influence and, and they're, you know, very, very important. I mean, both, both parents are, are incredibly, incredibly important. And a father does have the, you know, the burden of setting some sort of direction of, of where they're going to go. But I think that it's really, really, really important for a father to be very wise and discerning and to, not necessarily impose all of his particular giftings on everybody, everybody else. I mean, I, I mean, I can, I was just having a conversation with one of my daughters this morning about, uh, about, a, about a trust. <laughs> and I said, Hey, honey, do you know what a trust is? And it just seems like the most um, obscure conversation to have with, <laughs> with my daughter at seven o'clock in the morning. But, uh, but I'm reading, uh, I'm reading some books and we're, and we're discussing it and I'm telling her, I'm like, Hey, so, you know, what, this is how, this is how a trust functions. A trust is basically an entity that owns something. And then there are people who are in charge of the disposition of those assets and, and they're for the benefit of particular beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to explain to her that 
we currently have assets at our disposal and I am currently the one who is in charge of particular assets, but it's for the benefit of the family. And so I have a particular responsibility to properly assess what our assets are, which are far beyond material. They're also, you know, uh, financial and social and educational and human and to best allocate them according to what, what I, what I believe the Lord is guiding us towards. And I was trying to explain to her, which is where I think the principle of this concept comes from, is that God has put us as trustees um, over his assets, the things that he owns. And so a good trustee will, will take the spirit behind what, what the Lord's desire is and understand it's really about the intent of the original grantor which, you know, in, in the case of our responsibility to God, it's, it's more about what his intent is than less about our intent. So a really good trustee will understand, you know, the Lord's intent and figure out, okay, based on the assets that we have, how do we properly fulfill his mandate? And so that, that's kind of where I see how the father is very, very important in that relationship. I'm just curious, which of your many daughters, how old is she that you were having this conversation with? Uh, it's about 12. <laughs> it's about 12. See, now that's the beauty of a homeschooling family and a, a large family because just to get everything done in this household, you need a lot of hands. But <laughs> in the process of carrying out the various functions, you get to have these kinds of conversations because really you probably wouldn't be talking to her about this unless you were actually living it and having to work through your responsibilities as a trustee. Right, right. So um, I like what you said about not trying to impose your gifts because I think you see it in the greater society. Dad or mom wanted to be a star athlete and, you know, the ship passed them by or something else happened. So now they're going to impose this on their children. And so you have to be the the best basketball player or the best golfer or tennis player, or I always wanted to be an engineer, but I couldn't. So we're going to do this for you. Describe a little bit how you convey the idea of what you guys are doing as a family, but not running over them as individuals. Yeah. So that's another uh, interesting thing. While, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm, my intent is not to run rough shot, you know, rough shot and, and direct exactly what they're going to do. I also understand that, you know, they're kind of immature in their development as far as understanding exactly what they even could do or what they're good at. And I also have a tremendous amount of influence just by what I expose them to. So that's the other part about why what I put in front of them or what I influence, you know, how I influence them is very is very important so like an example this is you know a great time that uh about being an entrepreneur so about a week ago or so i went on a business trip uh to go do some training and uh and i was able to bring uh cadence along cadence is uh, 15 she just turned 15 and uh, they were having you know kind of side-by-side training for teens as well and it's about entrepreneurism you know a lot of a lot of aspects about business and taxes and all the really interesting stuff that 15 year olds should learn about. Um, and she got to hang out with a lot of other people and they took her to a, like a giant arcade in Orlando, like this massive arcade. And they talked to them about uh, how much it costs to run, how much it costs to start, you know, their, how big their power bill is and 
all these real interesting things. And, uh, and I was in my training separately. And then we came back in the evening and we talked and just, Hey, what did you learn? What was it like? And whatever. And, uh, and for her, I was explaining to her, I was trying to impose her. I was like, honey, do you understand why you're here? Because there's obviously a lot of men and women there, uh, you know, at least for, you know, girls and, and boys there. And I said, you know, I, and then so I, I read, I read the Proverbs 31 uh, to her. It was just, you know, very slowly over dinner. I think like, Hey, let's read this. And Oh, let's, what does it say? And like, Oh, we have a very extremely, extremely competent and valuable, faithful, helpful wife here. <laughs> like she, she is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And, uh, and so the things that we're learning is that she is also an asset manager, just like, just like that is she's a, she's managing assets just like uh, a husband would. And the better that she is at understanding the management of those assets, then the better, more valuable she will be. That's why her worth is so, is so high because she knows how to allocate resources. She knows how to assess, uh, assess value. And, uh, and she knows how to give good, uh, good, you know, kind wisdom, words of words of wisdom uh, for her family, for her family's benefit. So I'm, I, so for so for me, I don't know exactly what she's going to do. I don't know what she's going to do, but I do know, and I am encouraging her that you know I want you to be an incredibly valuable wife. That's why I'm learning and teaching. You know why I want you to learn all these things because that's going to benefit your husband, and that's going to benefit your family and the rest of our progeny, and it's going to bless you know the the kingdom. So. So we kind of may have some discussions about certain things. Hey, what did you think about this? Or what did you think about that? About particular ideas. But it's, it's clear to me that, you know, in that, in that sense, and I'm talking specifically about daughters because I have, you know, eight, eight daughters. <laughs> yes, you do. So, so I have to think, so I have to think about this um, and I have to kind of allow for the flexibility, um, but also still give them the guidance that says, you know, I want them to be capable uh, and, uh, and astute and, valuable and i want them to be wise and discerning about what they say and when they're going to say it and what you know where their wisdom lies so there's a lot of learning that has to go on so So it sounds to me like that what you're giving individual i mean you could have probably taken any one of the kids to come with you on this but you have to make decisions obviously because the household has to continue to operate when you're gone and you know the many hands that your wife needs in all this but I think the the benefit here from what I'm hearing and knowing your family is presenting opportunities. She may never decide to do the exact same things that she's been involved with with you, but you've given her a framework of understanding. And since I know that biblical law is a very important aspect of how your family operates, that she's being given the tools to make good decisions in discovering her gifts and her inclinations. But that never has to mean she goes off and becomes autonomous and a total individual, that she will always remain having ties with her immediate family, even when she moves into having another family. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think it's our friend Tim Yarbrough, another good friend of Calcedon, who Mm -hmm. talks about entrepreneurship should have – a definition that goes beyond you work for yourself, you start your own business. It's actually more in line with using the tools and talents God has given you to further the kingdom of God. So why not give us a little bit of a glimpse into the road you decided to take 
in terms of how you were going to continue to provide, mm -hmm. but not working for someone else and getting your marching orders literally from someone else. Right, right. So, uh, so what what we did was before we before we got out of the military, we just kind of took a introspective, discerning look at where we where we lived, where we currently lived, because I I believed that when we got here that the Lord the Lord was planting us wherever He was planting us, and unless we had some sort of indication otherwise that we were going to do our best to to bloom or planted uh, because there was some reason why we were here, you know, despite all the ups and downs about it. So we just kind of looked and said, okay, well, uh, the primary purpose of an entrepreneur and really the primary purpose behind, you know, being a Christian is learning how to, how to give great service, how to serve really, really well. And, uh, and if you can serve really well, then you'll be, you'll be productive. You'll be, you'll be profitable. So we kind of made an assessment where, where are the opportunities for good, for really good service in our community? And, uh, and then, and then kind of married that with the things that I was interested in, um, that I was willing and able to put my time and effort and energies toward, uh, every, every day. And, uh, and so, I mean, I, I know, I know friends that are very interested in, uh, in localized farming and I thought that was great, but we, we killed everything we tried to grow. And I just didn't like that. I was like, oh, I didn't really want to do that. Um, I know friends who will uh, raise uh, raise beef, and you know they're they're focused on the agrarian thing. And uh, we do have we do have people that do that out here, but that wasn't really what uh, I was interested in as well. Um, there was a huge opportunity. What I noticed in my area for a couple of things, and one I had the resources to take care of, and the other one I didn't, at least initially, is that there was a huge gap in customer service for property owners, for re residences, you know, just your ability to have somebody call you back for basic needs, <laughs> things that you wanted. You had something you needed to take care of at home and somebody couldn't call you back. And I saw, I was like, wow, that would be super valuable if, uh, if somebody was just able to provide good communication and, uh, and a go between for people. Um, for that. So that, that was one thing that I saw. The only thing that I lacked was I didn't lack the ability to execute on the work that needed to get done. So that was kind of on the back burner. And then the other thing that we were very interested in is that there, our community where we live on the island was expanding, was growing, and there was not really good options for people for their, uh, for their homes because a lot of them were old and vacant and, and they were just kind of run down. So we saw that there was an opportunity for that too as well. So we decided to get into the residential redevelopment where we basically take these uh, distressed homes and return them back to the community and put, you know, fix them up and put our family in. Um, so that's where we kind of focused our efforts, which then because we started doing that led into the ability to provide services back towards the community for a lot of residential type construction services. So, by that one business and starting another one. So now I have two businesses going at the same time and we started employing people in the community and stuff that we're able to kind of meet both of the needs that we kind of originally saw, you know, many years ago. So that's a good paradigm for dominion, taking dominion over your own life, over your own ability to provide. And then as a result of isolating services that are needed that aren't being fulfilled and doing so, now 
there's added value, not just for your family, but for other people and you're employing other people. Right. And, and really, really an entrepreneur is just, he's just a problem solver. That's all it is. I mean, if you have the, and then if you have the ability to identify problems and, uh, and come up with a viable solution, because nobody really is going to pay you to just complain about the problems, you know, like that's not really very <laughs> valuable. So you actually have to find out a viable way to solve the problems, which is where all of the creativity and ingenuity comes in, which is really fun. But then you, but then you have to be able to make the process repeatable, which is where the business aspects uh, sure. come in. You know, it has to be able to be uh, replicable, repeatable, you know, potentially scalable, depending on how big you want to get or whatever. Um, but that, but if you think about it that way, and I, I'm Jessica and I, we talk about this regularly that our life seems to be filled with problems and the Lord must think that we're really good at taking care of them. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's funny you said an entrepreneur is really a problem solver. I was listening to a lecture by Rush Dooney recently, and he talks about inventors as being handymen who basically said, there's got to be a better way to do this, and then they they went ahead and did it. And so taking a lot of the mystery out of what does it mean to be an inventor, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, it's somebody with his eyes open says, there's got to be a better way to do this, or somebody really ought to do this. And mm -hmm. as a result of responding to that, which I guess we'd have to say, God puts that inspiration there or that desire there, because we yeah. can't necessarily produce it ourselves, that you do something about it. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I remember when my kids were little and I was changing diapers, I said to my husband, you know, somebody ought to create a diaper especially these disposable ones that if you check to see if the baby's wet or whatever, and he's not that you can reseal it. And he said, I don't think anybody would ever buy that. <laughs> well, <laughs> guess what? Yeah, Somebody that. has. So I wasn't the only one who had the idea. Sure. It's easy to have an idea. I mean, how much does it take to have an idea? Right. It's executing right. on that idea in the midst of, well, what's the right materials? How do we market it? So, I yeah. guess a family business, which really is what we're talking about with regards to the Graham family, gives you the opportunity to cover economics, cover inventory, cover all sorts of different things like great ideas are great, but at the end of the day, there has to be food on the table. So right. we can't just be giving away our services. So it really, I guess I would call it the next step in homeschooling. It's like practical homeschooling. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an incredible, uh, you know, seedbed because, you know, we have this is interesting about the homeschooling piece, too, because, you know, I have uh, I have friends and I have family uh, who have been homeschooling for a long time. <laughs> and I will and I've noticed that just because you're a homeschooler doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to produce a good product. <laughs> it's it's not just about the. Uh, methodology it's also about the actual content of what it is that you're training and what you're what you're training them up to be which is why the walking in in the ways of the lord are so important it's not just like oh i removed you from public school and i'm gonna cram a bunch of academics down your throat and you're gonna turn into an upstanding you know god-fearing citizen like no <laughs> that it doesn't work like that and uh, right. and jessica and i have been you know i mean we don't have uh, frankly, we don't have time to do a thousand workbooks. It, it's just, we don't have the time. It's not, 
It's not practical. It's not feasible. It doesn't help us, uh, you know, keep the family afloat. And, and it would, I would be running my wife ragged if I tried to get her to do that. And so we have to take, you know, for our family, a much more holistic approach. Like literally what are the problems that we're dealing with today and how we're solving them and whatever, however we're addressing it and living our life. That is our little homeschool. There is some formalization as far as the reading is concerned, maybe some assignments for stuff and a little bit, you know, Matthew in there, but, but most of it is very organic. You know, it's just literally driven by the things that we need to get accomplished regularly. And, uh, and we found because we're active in our community, we're active in our faith, we're active in what's happening geopolitically and, you know, we're discussing these things. We are very concerned about what what the law of God has to say about these things, that it creates this environment where we are having to be incredibly studious to figure out the actual ways that we solve these problems according to biblical principles. And that that to me was the was the pinnacle about what it was that we wanted to do. So being an entrepreneur, solving problems out in the community managing the finances for it, still being able to manage the health of my children and my family, being able to manage multiple relationships, being able to, you know, manage inter-family relationships and all this, like this, this life is my homeschool. <laughs> you know, right, right. And I think it really brings up a good point here. Way back when, the reason you learn how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide is to use those skills. We've moved into an area culturally where having skills doesn't always translate to, well, why would you need them? How would you use them? And so rather than sit down and do workbooks, which early on in my homeschool, I decided this was a waste of time, workbooks were, I think, designed to help teachers that had lots of students in their room um, maybe help one student and keep the rest of them busy. But if that's not your orientation, certainly in a homeschool, you don't have to do that, is that as you constantly relate, all right, the reason that you need to understand percentages is because if we're going to make a commission of so much percent on whatever we sell, you want to make sure that you know if what that's going to be and is it worth your while to take on this project? So right. I, I think academics are tools in the toolbox. I think too often people make it the product. Right. <laughs> yeah, they make it the, the goal. <laughs> the goal. And, and, and to us, uh, you know, I think thankfully that was one of the really, really big things that we learned about from reading, you know, reading the from the Chalcedon authors and from Rushdie, just like, kind of uh, begin begin with the end in mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to achieve? And, you know, the, the focus, it seemed like culturally had been the the college and stuff like that. Okay, well, what what's the, why are we going to college? Oh, they go to college to get a good job. Okay, why do you want a good job? Why are you going to raise your family? Oh, you're going to raise your family. Okay. So if, if you know, and, and, and again, what's the purpose of the family? You know, okay, so what's the purpose of the family? You know, the family. So, I mean, if you really break it down, it's like, okay, our goal, literally our goal here on the face of this earth is to, is to glorify God by advancing his kingdom and, you know, submitting all lordship to him, humbly serving, serving him. So, 
and, and then if that is the real, the real goal, and yes, we have, and then the family is kind of the primary mover, the primary mover in that, uh, in that, uh, with the husband and wife. Okay, then the husband and wife relationship, very, very critical, very important. And then obviously the children has to learn how to uh, be educated and learn how to function in the family to advance that, that mission. Okay, so then the education of the children. So now, and then obviously the family, if its purpose is to provide for the community and advancing and serving other people and engaging in business um, so that they can be improving quality of life for other people, specializing in particular areas um, so that it improves quality of life for everybody. Now you can see much, much more why we're doing what we're doing. And it just starts to revolutionize what our goals are. So, I mean, so college, I mean, for us, it's always been like, Oh, is, you know, college is, it's just a, it's a hammer. It's a hammer. And if I have a nail, I'll use that hammer to whack that nail. But if right now I need to saw that board down, then college isn't, it's not a saw. College is a hammer. Right, or whatever. Right. Okay, then I need to use a saw for this or whatever it is. And so for our family, it's like, oh, we're doing this. These are the things we do. And you know what? Uh, I don't need a single college degree to do any of the stuff that I'm doing. I do have to be wise and studious and hardworking and uh, you know, have ingenuity. And, say, and you know what? College degree not required. For any of that stuff, period. Right, and then it gets back to let's see what you've produced. There's a difference between being able to get good grades on a test or being able to write papers which may or may not have any basis in terms of applicability because you're saying this is what it should be as opposed to I've actually done this. I, I think it gives people a sense that not only do you need to know what you're doing, but you need to know why you're doing it. And that's a component that can happen as you work alongside other people who are similarly dominion-minded. Because dominion isn't, I'm in charge and I'm going to tell everybody what to do. Hardly. Right. Hardly. No. <laughs> no. I mean, if you can inspire other people to get on board with what the mission is, but ultimately you want people to all be executing the mission um, you know, because they believe in it, like they've captured it, they understand it. And then, and then you just let them execute their gifts in accordance with, with, with what the mission is, you know? Right. I know it's probably easier when children are younger to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Everybody get in the van. We're going here. But as your and your children, you have three of them who I would call very close to adulthood or moving into adulthood. And so how have you been able to identify individual giftings and then gear aspects of what your vision is to them as individuals? Uh, so I've tried to give the older children as they get older, you know, some more opportunities uh, for, you know, just kind of interacting with, uh, with some different things, you know, whether it's uh, working with the family and, you know, so like for Corbin, he's worked with the family in labor. I've taken him also to these training conferences, so he understands these principles. We have these family reading contests where, you know, I, I try to give the children this opportunity to stretch their reading and what they're reading and kind of encourage them to read other books so that they're getting introduced to newer ideas. I definitely am intentional about the people that I put in front of my family and who I want us to associate with. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I could tell my children something that is, you know, till I'm blue in the face, but for some reason, when a different person says it, it's, it's a gospel, you know, like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> did you know that so-and-so just, wow, that person's really, really smart. Um, uh, just 
for whatever reason, I think that just happens to families in general. So, so the other people that we put in front of our children is also very important. So we've, we've just kind of thought about, thought about that. And then we'll, you know, maybe have some discussions. I noticed at least for my son that the prospect of answering questions from a potential father-in-law has driven a lot of introspective thought um, about what it is that he wants to do because they're asking those kinds of questions and they want to know. And then he comes back to me like, Oh dad, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'm like, well, what you, you know, and we just have a discussion uh, about it, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be a, he doesn't have to have necessarily an ironclad plan about exactly what he's going to do, but I, I can understand what a father would be concerned about before he hands his daughter off. Like, Hey, what, who is this guy? And what's he, what's he about? <laughs> you know? Right. And your son, Corbin, has this distinction of being one of two boys in a family of 10 children, and he, he's surrounded by women. So any future wife is going to have a husband who understands women in a way <laughs> that possibly the average guy does not, yeah, but uh, um, also has an appreciation for you know, responsibility and whatnot. And I had the pleasure of seeing Corbin grow up. I've known you guys for six or seven years now. It's always exciting for me to see people you knew as children as they mature. And oftentimes they very much want to be like their parents. But because they're so close, it doesn't, they don't really know they want to be like their parents. So I remember there was this one woman who was, I was affiliated with in terms of homeschool circles and she was having problems with her daughter. And I said, let me see if I can intervene. And so I took the girl out for coffee and we had a conversation. And I discovered that what she wanted in life was to be just like her mother. <laughs> Except her mother didn't see that, that that's what she was doing. And I was able to say, she wants to be a wife and mother and she wants to have a number of children and she wants to homeschool them. So where's the conflict here? But what comes down to is, as the family of God, we need to be the aunties and uncles to say the same thing that mom and dad have been saying. But then people come back and say, do you know that it's such and such a household, they do it like this? And instead of saying, I told you that for the last 20 years, you say, wow, that's really smart. I'm glad you realized that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, I, I, I try not to get incredibly, terribly specific with my children now we happen to have our family business so i mean my son is involved i mean he i mean what would be the point of a family business if my son couldn't work with me <laughs> right? sure. and i've tried to kind of if he has particular giftings or particular things you know in some sense i want him to experience some stuff that maybe he's not naturally in love with just for the understanding of saying hey i, I just want you to know what this feels like because when you hire somebody else and you have to give them that job like you have some compassion uh, on them Right, and with some understanding of what it is that you're asking them to do, sure. Um, and then, and then, in the same sense, it's like, hey, I mean, you know, Galatians talks about that. You know, even the heir, when he's still under masters, you know, he, you know, he still has to take orders, even though he is the, you know, the owner of everything. You know, so I still want to understand. Hey, this is all like all these things that I'm doing and working for is so that you can take over. <laughs> take over what I'm doing. So that's what I'm molding you into is to be the owner. So I need you to, you know, so I'm inspiring him and trying to inspire and encourage him to act like a owner, even though he's currently, uh, you know, under, you know, under guardians. Sure. Right now. Curious. Do your girls pick up hammers and build things too, or is this just a guy thing? 
No, I mean the the I mean they they don't show up on the on the job site, but uh, but at home, I mean uh, my so we picked up a piece of uh, furniture, whatever, from one of these projects, and my wife wanted something done with it, and so the girls they learned how to do it, and they kind of messed with it and figured it out, and you know painted it and fixed it, and then you know kids are always more than welcome to go in the garage and and hammer hammer stuff and hammer nails. That sometimes it gets a little bit out of hand, but uh, but that. You know, that, that's kind of okay. I'm, I'm sort of right with that. But even the home in and of itself has plenty of opportunities. And, th- and that's really where we started. We started inside the walls of our own home to learn how to address needs and problems. I mean, things break. They have to get fixed. And you can't, sometimes you can't wait for your husband to get home to take care of it. Like, it, it, it would be kind of valuable if you learned how to do this for your home yeah. on your own. And now there are YouTube videos that will tell you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, you just have a little bit of uh, inspiration, ingenuity, again, you know, find out where your resources lie, find the problem, you know, and then, and then try to address it. All right. So let's get back to where we started. So this whole business about being a problem solver and being an entrepreneur, would you say it takes courage? Is it that you just had an ample supply of courage and that's why you could undertake this or is it something else? I mean, yeah, I definitely think it takes, uh, it takes some courage just to, you know, be able to make an assessment of your own strengths and weaknesses. (laughs) Like, do you actually know what you're good at? Do you actually know what you're not good at? Do you understand that you're going to face difficulties and challenges and that you'll have to figure out a way to overcome them. You know, don't shy away from the problems that you face. Um, I mean, we're all being trained. And I mean, in the, when the passage says that you're supposed to consider it all joy, when you face trials of various kinds, they're not just talking about like interpersonal family trials, like literally the problems that you face in, in business. Are you, happy about them and and yes they they do still upset me sometimes too <clears throat> but uh but i have you know but i am still under the same requirement to you know to to not lose heart to take courage there's some something to be learned here there's something we need to overcome uh if not only to overcome that individual problem but then also to share that wisdom for future problems that are going to come up later where i need to give inspiration to somebody else about how to handle their their problems or their issues so one of the things that i've realized for myself is that all these years that are behind me raising children solving these kinds of problems dealing with different personalities trying to maneuver the balance between helping my own family but seeing a need in uh, the community around me and how much time do i do it is that it's really a sense for me that what i was being groomed and prepared for was my life post having to raise children. And in my experience, when I'm now in a position to hire people at a Christian school I'm working at, Mm -hmm. it's the moms. (laughs) It's people who have raised families who are very, very competent. And whether or not they have a lot of letters or things after their names, they've been entrepreneurs in their own homes because they constantly were solving problems. And I think that's the strength of family life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we graduate on to the next step, and maybe instead of raising kids as being the end in and of itself, it was the process of preparing them for the future, but preparing ourselves for the future as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, there's so much value and blessing to be had in, uh, you know, in, in family life. And yeah, I think, you know, the entrepreneurism in general, um, you know, you're providing value inside <laughs> of your of your home, you know, as well. And, and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. And I'm sure Jessica doesn't really feel like an entrepreneur, but I can guarantee you that we wouldn't be able to do what we do if, if she didn't take care of the, the home the way that she does. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right, she's absolutely. pretty important. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that the expression behind every successful man is a is a great woman, and it's not just because I'm a woman that I'm biased, but I think you see that. You see the support. that That's how God intended it to be, so it, it shouldn't be surprising that it works out that way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our time. How do people get in touch with you? Share a little bit about the ministries that you're doing, the upcoming conference, just give people lots of different ways they can talk to Mr. Joe here. Sure. So, I mean, we have our kind of our family ministry blog website is uh, reconstructionlife.com. Uh, and there's information there about uh, the conference that we're hosting here um, at the beginning of September. Um, so we, uh, we have the, couple of books, a few books that we've published uh, through through there, and, you know, somehow we fit that in. I try not to be too ambitious. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I try to be overly ambitious. <laughs> um, but uh, but we have uh, we have the conference that we've been having once once a year, and uh, so we're, we're glad to be able to have Mark and, and Martin come out and speak. You know, that's a huge blessing uh, for us out here. So uh, that uh, that conference is particularly about biblical law and Christian education because, again, I think the law is just very, very misunderstood but critically important in, uh, in, in the Christian's life. Uh, so we definitely are, are using that as kind of an anchoring point for us to start talking about more uh, specific applications. This year we're talking about, I think, uh, the first and the fifth commandment. Uh, particularly. So that's happening, events happening this year. Last year, our event was on family business and dominion. We have, uh, you can get a link to our YouTube channel on our website, and we've got some of the talks published on there. And then also the book that has all the essays published um, from last year's conference and this year's conference soon to be published uh, as well. And uh, yeah, there's probably a link on there somewhere for how to email me, but uh, yeah, people message me every now and then on, on Facebook and I, I try not to hide too much although i you know i'm not i'm not a huge i'm not i'm not great at marketing <laughs> yeah. so well you you could no doubt find somebody in your tribe there who is and uh let them loose right yeah absolutely i'd be happy, I'd be happy to have somebody take that over all right well joe i appreciate you taking the time i know you're busy and um i appreciate that uh you're able to share kind of what your journey's been like and hopefully it answers some questions for some people creates new questions for others and gives people some inspiration for the future. Yeah. Listeners, if you have comments about this podcast or previous ones, or even suggestions for future ones, contact us at out of the question podcast at gmail.com and we'll do our best to cover them until next time. Thanks for listening to out of the question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.